everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. We have an amazing guest today that I'm going to introduce in a second. But first, I really just wanted to take a minute and just say that I am so heartbroken. My heart feels so heavy um, following the shooting yesterday in Texas. I, I honestly am at a loss for words. I have felt so just sad and off all day and my heart goes out to all of the families of the teachers and the children that that were killed and I am I am just so so shattered so heartbroken that there really are no other words and um there there needs to be a change but I I just wanted to take a a second and and share that and let you guys know how I'm feeling if you're also feeling sad and if you're feeling the heaviness today just know that you're not alone I'm I'm feeling it too I just feel I feel like normally when I'm crying all day I'm like on my period or something but I've just been like on and off crying all day this just really you know there are shootings all the time but for some reason when it's children it's just I can't I can't fathom the person who would go and do something like that. There are just no words. So just know you're not alone if you're feeling the same way as me. I just wanted to put that out there. And there's no there's no good transition into this episode, but I am excited about it. It's very feel good. We have a great, great guest on who is honestly, I feel like she was one of the first food bloggers I ever followed. Rachel Mansfield, she is an OG food blogger. She is so sweet. It was, or it has been so nice to connect with her. We started to become friends a couple months ago, and she is just the nicest, sweetest, most down to earth, such an amazing content creator. She's an amazing mom. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Rachel Mansfield is a food blogger and entrepreneur, cookbook author, podcast host, and is a mom of two boys who are literally the cutest kids ever, by the way. Rachel is known for her engaged cult following, easy recipes that taste good and actually work, kitchen tips and tricks, her family food prep series, and more. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Long time no talk. Oh my God, I know. If any of you want to hear us talk for another hour, you can listen on <laughs> Rachel's podcast um, and, and hear us talk about everything on there too. But I'm so happy we're doing this podcast swap because I have so many questions to ask you. You, I feel like you are really like an OG food blogger. Like anyone who knows anything about like original Instagram, like people who started food blogging, like right from the beginning, everyone knows Rachel Mansfield. So like, do you feel that way about yourself? No, I don't. Like that's no. Like, do you know how cool you are? I'm really not cool. Like I don't, it's, I think it's weird because when I was first starting out, there were so many people that I looked up to and consider them as like the OGs. So when people consider me, I just... It, um, it's an honor, but I do not think of myself like that. What year did you actually start your account? 2014. So you're, you are an OG because 2014, it was like not, it was not a thing to be no. a food blogger. Um, no. What, what made you start your account? So I started my account um, because I wanted to make money and this sounds crazy. So I was working at a CPG company another a consumer packaged good company in the healthy food and beverage space. And I had started there as the assistant to the CEO and founder. And when I was there, that's when Instagram started to become like super popular and the term influencer wasn't a thing, but like bloggers were a thing and I started like seeding product to them. And then it was like, wow, this like industry is really going to be popular. Like this is going to be something one day. And when I asked my company for a raise, I wanted to make more money. They told me no, that I wasn't going to get a raise, but I was making pennies at my job. Couldn't pay my rent. 
um, in the city. And I wasn't like, a, I'm not like a frivolous, like I don't spend stupidly. Like I'm very conservative about my money. And I said to Jordan, I need to make more money. Like I'm going to walk dogs or babysit or just do something to have a side hustle. Cause I really, really loved my day job. And I also said, I'm going to make overnight oats in a jar, which everyone at my office used to make fun of me saying that they were mush. This is before the brand mush was even like a brand. Um, and I'll deliver them. I'll deliver overnight oats all throughout Manhattan and everyone can have a healthy and delicious breakfast and it'll be great. And Jordan was just like, Rachel, you can't make oatmeal and sell it. Like that's illegal in New York. Like you need a commercial kitchen. So he, he's a lot more like down to earth. My husband, um, he was my fiance at the time. And he said to me, why don't you just post recipes somewhere? See if people give a shit. And if they do, we can look into a commercial kitchen and go from there. So I started posting recipes. It started as all overnight oats. Then it was like any recipe that had oatmeal in it. So like cookies, banana breads with oat flour, anything. And it really took off from there. People seemed so excited and really obsessed with the recipes that I was sharing. And I shared them on my blog, on Instagram, and I was having a lot of fun. I wasn't really making money from it. So the side hustle that I wanted was just kind of like a side hobby. And then when I had about 10,000 Instagram followers, I was fired from my job. They told me it was going to be a conflict of interest. And that really forced me to reflect and say, like, what the heck am I doing? Like, is this going to turn into something? Like, I'm not like Gina from Skinny Taste. Like, I'm not on the Food Network. Like, how am I going to pay rent and, you know, establish myself as someone who's posting pictures of their oatmeal and their dinner on Instagram. And I completely underestimated it. I underestimated myself and this space. But when I was fired, I remember sitting at a pizza place in Manhattan with my husband and my parents. And they said, Rachel, give yourself six months, see if you can grow your brand and see what happens. Like worst case scenario, you go back and you find a new job and best case scenario, you run your own business. So knock on wood, it's been six and a half years of me running this full time and seven years having my blog and Instagram. And I have not looked back besides when I tell the story. It's so crazy. And a lot has happened. So what was, so you were initially just posting like oatmeal desserts. And then did you always like to cook though, like growing up? Like when did you start cooking for yourself? So kind of similar to when you were telling me your story about transitioning into a plant-based lifestyle, I, my freshman year of college, I gained so much weight. I gained like 15 to 20 pounds. I was eating super unhealthy. I was just like the Froyo machine. There was like these M&M cookies I loved. There was a a dessert bar every day. I, I loved it. Chicken finger, grilled cheese sandwiches, like chicken fingers in the grilled cheese, like such good food. I put on a lot of weight. I was really unhappy. And before that, like I never cooked my own food, nothing. Then that was freshman year. Sophomore year, I pledged a sorority. Freshman year, uh, I mean, sorry, first semester of sophomore year, pledged a sorority. Ended up gaining like more weight because we were like eating all the time. And by spring semester of sophomore year, I was really unhappy and like really self-conscious of my body. That's when I took a turn for the worst. I started calorie counting, obsessing over every single crumb that I was eating. I would count like half of a little pretzel of a calorie. Like I was counting like a crazy person. I was petrified of bread. I really dug myself into a scary asshole. And that continued from, that was like January, February. That continued for a full year. And I met Jordan that March. So when I met Jordan, I was like entering this phase of my life that, so to him, it wasn't a red flag because it was always like how I was since he met me. And then I studied abroad in Italy for four or five months and really just fell even deeper. I was like 95 pounds. I already have a pretty petite frame, but like 95 pounds is not cute when you're five, six, like it's, it doesn't look good. And I wasn't healthy. My hair was falling out. I didn't feel good. I had no energy. I drank so much diet Coke. 
and chewed so much gum. Like it was just, it was, I was not fueling my body. But when I came home and I wanted to like get back on track again, I didn't want to just sit there and binge eat Oreos and peanut butter. Like, although I did that because it was like fast calories to kind of like just feel like, you know, gain weight. I wanted to fuel my body with foods that were going to actually make me feel energized and make me feel good. And that's when I started paying attention to the foods I was eating in a way that I never looked at it before, like choosing grilled chicken over breaded chicken or, you know, like you were like a marinara sauce over an Alfredo sauce. And just looking at things like when we get back from late night in college, I used to eat granola and like <laughs> almond milk yogurt with peanut butter as my late night snack. And my friends would still be having like pizza bagels and whatever, whatever else, which was fine. But I knew that like I wanted to really have a, an emphasis on healthier foods. So that caused me, or not caused me, that um, influenced me and inspired me to start making my own food. So that's when I learned how to start cooking is when I started to like care about the food I was putting into my body um, and having fun with it. And then when I lived with my, I lived with my in-laws for a couple of months when I was, um, when I graduated college and my mother-in-law like really taught me how to cook a lot more, like how to touch raw chicken, like how to cut an onion, how to do anything, like things like that. And from there, just it, my my obsession just grew and grew and grew. Did you have disordered eating tendency, tendencies in like high school? Um, You know what? I think about that sometimes and I don't think so because I don't remember like obsessing over food. Like I don't – I would, like, leave and go out and, like, I wouldn't pack five snacks with me in case, like, I got stuck in traffic. Like, I didn't care about anything. I always – like, I lived my best life in high school. I had a lot of fun. Same. It was great. Um, But I didn't really count – like, I – that was when Weight Watchers was kind of, like, trendier with, I guess, um, people when they were trying to lose weight. And so I did things like that when I was, like, a little bit, like, I guess – not as happy with my body there, but like my mentality and my mindset was always like pretty, um, I would say like healthy at that for a point of my life. But I was like a chunkier kid, like before I hit puberty, like I would always like eat in a corner because like I didn't really work out or play sports. So my parents were like, Rachel, like you cannot just be eating all that food all the day. Like you need to go, go outside and walk around a little bit. But I think I had a good relationship with food younger when I was younger how were your parents relationship with food like what was the dynamic like in your house growing up um I would say everyone really likes food except for my brother he like hated food growing up so I just used to just eat all of his food but (laughs) my mom like we always had a home-cooked meal and it was like typically like healthier foods like you know different to what that would mean to me now but like my mom made all of us dinner it was always like a protein veggie and like whatever, like a rice or something, or it would be some type of like pasta dish or whatever. Um, but I always had like baked goods. Like my mom always had a banana bread or a mandel bread or something for us. And my mom's like, oh, if there's ever the world's ever ending, go to my mom's house because she has so much freaking food. Like she always has a freezer of like everything. Um, so food was like never a concern. It was always like an excitement. Like we're on vacation. Like let's go out for ice cream or the ice cream trucks driving around the neighborhood. Like who wants some? Like we went out for dinner as a family every week. It was just like a fun social thing for sure. So, well, that's interesting though. Your mom's big into baking. So, so that's, is that where you get like your, your baking side from? Cause my mom, she does not bake. That's not her thing. She more cooks and I'm not into baking either. So that's interesting that yeah, yeah you know my mom doesn't like to cook or bake now in her in her um she's I mean it's not like a secret but she's like 60 and she does not like to cook or bake whatsoever at this point she's young but yeah she, yeah both my parents are pretty well like my mom had me she's six well she's 61 she had me when she was 30 so we're like 30 years apart um and I guess so. Like, I've always had a sweet tooth. My dad has a major sweet tooth. My dad's never baked, like, slice and bake cookies. Like, he doesn't cook. But his 
mom was a big baker and like yeah my mom did say that she always was baking and cooking especially when we were a lot younger so she could have definitely inspired me to to love baking for sure just by like also always having we always had access to like sweets okay so well I also I want to jump back to one thing you had mentioned meeting your husband kind of in the midst of Mm -hmm. your you figuring out your health journey how did you meet him I met Jordan at a keg crawl at a St. Patrick's. No, no, no. I met him at a pregame. Sorry, the keg crawl was our first date. I met him at a pregame at a party. It was in February of my sophomore year, and he was standing in front of the refrigerator, and I said to him, hey, do you know if there's more beer in the fridge? And he looked at me and was like, yeah, here. And then he asked, he's, we started talking, and then he asked me for my phone number so we could meet up later that night. And I just said like, yeah, sure. But I don't have my cell phone with me because I used to go out without a cell phone. I thought I was like a hippie. Mm -hmm. And he was like, if you don't want to give me your phone number, it's fine. But like, like I'd like to see you again. So I, I didn't, I didn't think I ended up giving it to him, but then I went back to my room, my dorm room and I was with some of my friends. And then I ended up Facebook friending him Everyone, all my friends were like, do not Facebook friend him. You're out of your mind. But I did. And then he ended up texting a girl in my sorority and said like, hey, do you know who Rachel Mansfield is? I think she's really cute, which I'm like, I'm not cute. Like you should be like, she's gorgeous. Hello. Like (laughs) introduce. But we met at a St. officially met again at a St. Patrick's Day keg crawl and then spent the whole day together. And we've been together for over 12 years now. Wow. So did you always, from early on, did you like know that he was your husband? I told my, I remember telling my friend Brooke, I was going to marry Jordan, knowing him for like two weeks. And she was hysterically crying when I said that. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't like a boyfriend person. I just like was having fun at the time. So I think when everyone saw, like even my parents, like that I wanted to bring a boy home, that as a boyfriend, like that, like meant something. So yeah, I knew, I knew pretty early on. I love that. Sometimes, I mean, some people just know and everyone can hear on Rachel's podcast, kind of my, my meeting Ari and and my feelings there, but like sometimes you just know. And I, I feel like there's also a debate about whether soulmates are a thing. And I'm someone I really do believe in soulmates. Um, I think you can like find like if I let's say hadn't found Ari, I think maybe I would have found someone I like would have gotten along with. But like I like wholeheartedly believe that he's my soulmate in this world. I so agree. I re- I I think soulmates are a thing. And here's why, because within my I would say here's why like within my example with Jordan so when we started dating I he is from Staten Island and my grandparents are from Staten Island and they live there coincidentally I met Jordan in college and my grandparents and Jordan's parents live on the same street that's wild I know and we didn't know that until like I didn't know that till I was already dating him so like the universe wanted us to collide and like meet yeah, like it would have happened one way or another. Yeah, eventually. I love that. So, okay, back to your business and and growing your food blog. So you're fired from your job, um, <laughs> and then your your social media starts to grow. I feel like even at this time, like influencer marketing was just starting to become a thing. So. How were you making money at the time? Were there like brand sponsorships back then? So not really. I was making like $50 a post here or there. Um, I collected unemployment, which was great. It was also the same amount of money as my shit job was paying me. (laughs) And I started a consulting business where I was helping manage different brands and their Instagram accounts. Well, I haven't thought about this in a really long time. Their Instagram accounts and like helping them initiate like their blogger programs so I did consulting for brands for like six months, six to 12 months. And then 
after that is when I really saw the potential with just within my, well, I saw the potential, I would say six months into my own business, but I also, I liked the consulting gig because it gave me like extra like cushion with money, but I already had made four times the amount of money at my last job within six months of running my own business. So I saw that this was going to be like something to monetize and something to continue to grow. And I think that a lot of people who work for themselves after working in a corporate job, they see how much money they can make just by working for themselves, which is crazy. It's so crazy. But also I feel like like on the other side of things, people see people on social media, influencers, bloggers, and they see the end result or they see where they are now and they don't know about those little things that you used to do to try to make money while you were growing your business. So I always Mm -hmm. like if I have a content creator on my podcast, I love to learn like how you got started and like because it's not like from day one you were just like making bank and rolling in it and from the start you were like making a ton of money like it takes time and growing your own business. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of consistency what were you doing to grow your business at the time? Like obviously Instagram now is a lot different, but what do you think contributed to your initial success? I pitched myself to brands for a year. I mean, I still pitch myself to brands. Like I I pitched myself to a brand yesterday. Um, I'm always putting myself out there and selling myself. Like I'm not sitting here waiting for things to just land on my doorstep. I think that in order to get what you want, you need to put it out into the universe. And I was always pitching and trying to get people to brands that I love to work with me. Um, so that was a huge part. And then for like growing my brand, I always had like consistency in posting and creating content. And at what point did Jordan start helping you? So we could thank the pandemic for this. So before that pandemic, I told anyone that would ask me, is Jordan going to work with you? I'd be like, absolutely not. Like, (laughs) absolutely not. I'd kill him. Like we wouldn't be married anymore. Then Jordan had a job or a career, I should say, in finance for 10 years. He was so miserable, like hated his job he would worked in private equity and at a hedge fund and he would come home every day and he was just so blah and just not excited by what he was doing. Jordan's a super, super creative guy. And while he's very analytical and very conservative and a lot of like job type things, he's also really, really creative and amazing in the kitchen. So after trying to get help him find a new job for like, mm, I want to say over a year, I was on the phone with my old manager and she was asking me like what was new and I go, well, I really need to hire someone. Like I don't think I can do this myself anymore. Like I, I'm kind of drowning. I, I have a kid like I, I think – no, Brody was here too. I had two kids. Two kids. I had two kids. Like I was like I can't do this. Like this is not easy. So in June of 2021, I walked in from my morning walk and I said to Jordan – quit your job. You're going to come work with me. And I like how you told him, like, it wasn't like a conversation. You're like, this is what you're going to do. It wasn't like you have to do this. That's just like how I speak. I'm just like, let's like, let's do this. And then this will happen. And then he knows to either be like, you're nuts or like, that sounds like a good idea. And I'm like, quit your job, like work with me. This will be so great. And he was seemed really on board. I also have a lot of like, goals for my brand that don't only have to do with like Instagram and my blog that I think that he's been going to be really helpful for. But he also, like I said, is super creative. And this is like when reels were starting to become more and more popular, like last summer. And I it's like, I'm not creating video content by myself all day. Like I need someone to edit the videos. Like you know, it's a lot of work to like put together a recipe to post a video, put it like it's, there's so much effort and so much to like look into. And I, I personally just am not good at video content. Like some of the videos I post, I shoot, shoot them myself, but he's really good at editing them. So he came on to help me with that help on like Pinterest help with, um, we did like an SEO audit. So he's like going to be doing that. And then we also for 
four years ago, we started investing in brands and it's been my dream to launch a venture capital fund. So a huge part of me being like, quit your job, come work with me so that he could help me bring that to life. Because he has that finance background. He does. Yeah. So I'm like, you need to be here so like you can help us do this. And like, that'll be a lot more, we'll see a lot more benefits um, financially within your career. Like we'll make more money doing that than we will having you work here. That's amazing. So do you have like maybe like three tips for people who work with their spouses? <laughs> yes. Um, get a therapist. We've ha- we had one even before um, we started working together. We hired a therapist when I was pregnant with Brody and I just felt like we needed a safety net in case shit hit the fan um, when we had a second kid. And I'm happy we have a therapist because our work styles are very, very different. So that's definitely tip number one. Tip number two, I don't do, but I think people, and including myself and Jordan, we should do, which is have set boundaries of when you do and don't talk about work. It's really hard for us with kids to try and juggle that, but like we do basically have a hard stop with work at six o'clock, but then like we work again at eight o'clock. So I would like to be able to just shut off and not talk about work in bed, but we, we stink at that. And then... The third one, which is we're we're trying to get better at this too. Last week was the first time we did this. So Jordan, he would stay Velcro to me all day, like would not leave and do his own thing. And I'm like, please leave, go golf, see a friend, smoke a cigar. I don't care, like leave. And last Friday he went and golfed for the afternoon and went to dinner with one of his friends. And I went out to dinner with my girlfriends and it was really nice to have some independent time because he's my best friend. We're together 24 seven, but I think having like separation, um, every, you know, couple of weeks or once a week or whenever is like healthy for a relationship. And we need to do that more. For sure. I could definitely implement some of these tips. Cause like Ari does a lot for Healthy Girl Kitchen because he has like a very um, marketing mindset and marketing brain. Like he's just, that's what he went to school for, but he's like a born entrepreneur. Like he just has that, that mind. So he's always thinking of ideas for me and it'll be like 11, it'll be 11 PM and we're like talking business ideas. And I think like if you have your own business or if you, um, you know, work for yourself, it's hard to turn it off. And like, if you are working for yourself, like it's honestly an automatic given that you're a creative person in some way. And I feel like creative people at night, their mind is just like this creative, almost like throw up. I feel like at night I get my best ideas. Like I'm laying in bed and like, I have so many, so many ideas come to me. And, um, I think for anyone though, like whether you're a content creator or not, learning how to separate work and your personal life and like turning off your phone and like using your time at night to like actually wind down. Cause I feel like at night, I don't know about you, I'm still laying there in bed like on Instagram and like talking business. Mm-hmm. When we need to be Horrible. like probably maybe meditating or doing something healthy. Yeah, I have the worst habits. Like, I'm on my phone in bed. I look at my phone. It's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. Same. It's so bad. I did. I started locking Instagram on Saturdays. So I haven't checked Instagram on a Saturday in over two months now. Oh, good for you. Which, it's been amazing. And I can't take credit for that specific idea. My best friend does it. And I talk to my I talk, it's my friend Lisa. I talk to her, like, every single day. And she always says, she calls it Saturdays Disconnected. And I started doing it for a couple weeks and I noticed like, I want to be present with my children. Like I don't want to be looking at my phone. And then when they would like nap or whatever, I would just find myself looking at Instagram the whole time. And I do that on Sundays. Like I do a lot of like content planning and things on Sunday afternoons, but I need Saturdays. Like I need to not look at Instagram. I'm not curing cancer. My job's not that important. Like I can take one day a week and not look at that app. Like I think it's really important for my mental health. Yeah. And I feel like kids are growing up in such a different time now where 
they are watching their parents play on their phones. Thank God we didn't watch or we weren't growing up in a time where our parents were addicted to their phones because my mom is such a Facebook mom now. Like she, like my mom's always looking at her phone and I don't think that would have been good for (laughs) me as a kid. Like I feel grateful that I had their undivided attention. So it's just, it's a a different world. So I think that's amazing that you're, you're doing that on Saturday. Thanks. Yeah. My mom, I'm, I'm always like, what are you doing on your phone? Every time she's here, she's like, why do you care? I'm like, cause you were always looking at your phone. Like what is wrong with you? And I know. moms love their phones. It's so obnoxious. I'm like, you were literally scrolling Instagram and people magazine. Like you're not doing anything like <laughs> play with your kids, you know, <laughs> I just so funny. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, you have two kids and they're so cute. I'm obsessed with them. Next time you're in Florida, I need to meet them and like kiss their cheeks. They're so cute. You will. Thank you. So Ezra is your oldest. And how old is he now? Ezra is three years and four months old, going on 18. So where were you in your food blogging journey? I'm trying to think. Had you come out with your cookbook when he was born? So Ezra turned, when he turned one, a month after he turned one my was my cookbook launch date, actually, February 26th. And he was okay. born January 26th, the year before. So I found out I was pregnant with him um, as I was writing my book. And then I, I like made my cookbook shoot. I moved it up so that it would like fit within pregnancy. So I did my cookbook shoot like super early because I didn't want to be like having a bump in it. Smart. Um, yeah. Like I don't want the people to think this is like a prenatal book. So yeah, my business was at that point, I guess you could say like five, five, four or five years in when Ezra was born. And that's when it hit me like this is no joke. Motherhood and a business is no joke. So you were, were you, you were still writing the cookbook while you were pregnant or, okay, that's a, that's, that's a big undertaking. And when he was, when he was born. Yeah, I definitely, and Jordan left at 6am and got home at 11pm every night. So like he was never home for Ezra the first year, two years of Ezra's life. Did you always want kids? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm not. Well, I was laughing when you were like saying how you stop babies on the sidewalk because like I do <laughs> I do that now, but like before I had kids, absolutely never. I was, did not babysit. Like I did a couple of times, but I hated babysitting. I don't like play with kids. I never wanted to be a teacher. Like I, I never had that type of urge, but I always knew I wanted kids. To me, that was never a question. It was never a debate. Like it wasn't something like, oh yeah, maybe like having kids, it was always, always in like a huge priority in my life. And at what age did you feel like you were ready for that? So we started trying when we, I was 26. Um, it took a year. And wait, when did you get married? 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. 20, we got married at 20. I was engaged 23, married, married 25. And then 26, I remember walking to the Tribeca Whole Foods with Jordan. And on my way there, on our way there, I remember looking at him at a stoplight thing and being like, I think we should start having babies. And I was so naive and just kind of stupid in many of ways, thinking that it was an ignorant that I thought we were going to get pregnant so easily. I had been on birth control for 10 years. And when I went off of it, I didn't get a period. And turns out I like don't ovulate on my own. So we tried naturally for a year. I did like acupuncture. I did all of these like woo-woo diet fit, not diet, but like, you know, eating herbs and adaptogens and like, like cycle syncing and God knows whatever else. And after a year of that not working, I looked at Jordan and I was like, I'm not messing with this. Like I want to have kids at a younger age and I want them like now, like I'm, this is why science was invented and like I'm going. And we went to a fertility doctor and I did not like them at all. I ended up going to a different one. I interviewed a couple different options and then we did, we did fertility. We started our fertility journey with our amazing, um, reproductive endocrinologist and started our family with him. So so they informed you that you don't ovulate on your own. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I basically knew I don't ovulate my own because I didn't have a period. But when I went there, um, I go to Dr. Foreman at Columbia University Fertility Center. And I still remember the first time I ever sat down with him. He took out a piece of printer paper and he spent like an hour just getting to know me and drawing like a roadmap on how we were going to start our family. And we tried a bunch of different things. They didn't work at first. And then we found something that worked for me and then and my body. And I started, you know, growing quality size follicles. Knock on wood, I'm very fertile. Like I have amazing egg quality. I just don't grow follicles to the size that where you ovulate on my own. I needed like a little extra hand holding. Um, and then Jordan, thank, very thankfully, has nothing wrong. Like he has amazing sperm. I'm just love that for him. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you, but it's um, I have, we have unexplained infertility. It's called. And I mean, that's not even like a great term. <laughs> like, no. Um, yeah, they're like, well, we don't know. Yeah, and it's such a scientific term. I'm like, what is explained fertility? Like, I don't ovulate. Right. That's the explanation. Like, I, we don't know why I don't ovulate, but, you know, that is the main reason. And we know that the hormones that I've taken in the past and, and have injected, that thankfully my body re- responds like well to them. So, how long can, because I, I know nothing about this process. Can you like go pretty micro and explain like what what this doctor did for you? How long did it take? Everything. Absolutely. So we started seeing Dr. Foreman in February of 2018. Yeah, 2018 or no, 2017. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what year it is anymore. In the month of February. And we tried, first we tried Clomid. Well, first they do a bunch of um, tests on your body. They do blood work. You do genetic testing. I did various ultrasounds like an HSG exam, which is when they insert a dye into your uterus to see if your fallopian tubes are opened. I did so many different ultrasounds. Um, Jordan did sperm samples. They really just get to know you and like your bodies. Then... They figure out the plan of like what your doctor recommends on how to start your family. So for us, we seemed like a prime candidate to try other things before doing something like IVF. So we took, I took a drug called Clomid, which pretty much is an oral um, drug and it stimulates your follicles in your ovaries. And when you take that, you go in for monitoring um, for ultrasounds and blood work every every few days. And then if you grow follicles to the size that the doctor's looking for, I believe it's around like an 18 or so in millimeters, um, you'll then do like an IUI procedure, which is when your partner will ejaculate into a cup and then they like sort all the sperm. And then they would take the sperm, put it into a catheter, and insert it into you. That's so, wild. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and, it's very um, cool. So we tried that. I did Clomid twice and then Letrozole, um, which is like another drug similar to Clomid, and didn't get pregnant. And then my doctor said we would try something called injectables, which is a drug called Menopure. And Menopure is does something similar to Clomid, but just it's a little bit more intense because it's nightly injections. And you don't know like how many nights you're going to do these. So you insert them like three fingers below your belly button every single night. And then you go every day or two to the, the fertility center for ultrasounds and morning monitoring, they call it. They do your blood work. They do the ultrasound and you wait to see, you are trying to see if your follicles are growing on your left and your right ovaries. And that could take anywhere from a week to two weeks to three weeks. Some people can inject for a month. Um, And once you grow follicles to the size that you're looking for, and again, like an 18 millimeter or more, you also are looking at your uterine lining. So when you were telling me your story and I'm like, there's just like, and there's, there's so much into like goes into like getting pregnant. They look at your uterine lining to make sure if you're going to be ovulating, it should be more than a thicker than a seven, seven millimeters. 
um, in thickness. So they look at that. And then once I grew follicles, but you don't want too many follicles because then that leads to multiples. So once I grew a follicle or two that was to this optimal size, I did another injection called Avadril. And it was on my birthday, like a couple of days before I turned 27. So this had to be in 2017. So it was a couple of days before I turned 27. And I remember standing in a grocery store doing the injection because it was so, had to be so calculated about the timing that I, and Jordan met me at the store at 8.30 p.m. and we <laughs> injected my stomach next to a smoothie bar in the middle of the store because the bathroom was locked. Casual. So we did that and then one in the next day for the IUI and then one in the day after that we did a double IUI and then you wait for two weeks to see if you're pregnant and during the two-week wait you do you take um at least I did I took progesterone suppositories which are like white jelly beans and you take them and you insert them into you like into your vagina and they basically have like a volcanic eruption out of your vagina all day you just like leak white all everywhere. <laughs> I remember being in a bar class looking down a couple days into taking this and like leaked all over to the bar class and had no idea that this was going to happen. And then you find out if you're pregnant two weeks later. And so we, after two failed IUI cycles, our third one with Manipur, we found out we were pregnant with Ezra. And that's how we conceived him. And I still vividly remember when the, my doctor called me to tell me and I, like, went up to Jordan's office in Midtown to, like, surprise him and tell him. And um, I still get chills thinking about it. It was, like, the best day, best day ever when we found out we were pregnant after trying for a year and then trying with fertility treatment for it took us four months with him. I love that story. I have chills. I love it. And, and Ezra is so beautiful. And so he just seems like the sweetest, like... Just like, I feel like, I mean, I haven't met him, but everything you post about him, he just, I feel like he has the best little heart. Thanks. Yes. He has a lot of spunk, a lot of tenacity. He is a feisty diva. And he has a big personality. He has a huge personality. It's like, yeah, he's, he's the life of the party. And then my other son Brody is 14 months and we got pregnant the same exact way with him. And Brody is, like, an angelic, happy, happy, just, like, so happy to be alive baby. He's so sweet. Ezra was never attached to me at all, like, was not a mama's boy. Um, Very independent, very, like, stays into his own lane. And Brody, as soon as I walk into the room, he's like, mama, mama, like, puts his hand like he's like my butt buddy like we're like yeah George I put him to bed every night like he's we're like two peas in a pod and then Ezra is like the he's so animated he's so talented with what he does like with work sometimes with me that I'm just like you're amazing for being three and change and just like having such a passion for everything you do yeah he has a very big personality Huge. Yes. It's so funny. But you, you, I feel like are identical to Brody. Look wise? Yeah. Oh my God. So funny. So I'm going to send you a picture because I'm literally, Ezra is me. It's hysterical. Like his hair, everything is what I looked like when I was a little kid. Really? It's so funny. Because yes. now I see, I mean, Brody looks just like you. I love that so much because no one ever says that. So thank you. Are you kidding? Well, he has blonde. No. He has blonde hair, but you too. I mean, when I see him, you have the same shaped head, the same face. I'm gonna find a picture if I don't okay. find it out. Send it to you after. I'm excited to see it. There is a photo and like Ezra, his hair, like that's my hair. It's my mom's hair, technically, but oh, yeah, he does look like your mom. Spitting image <laughs> of his Mimi. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh. Well, and then how long did it take you to get pregnant with him? With Brody, it was we so we picked up where we left off with Dr. Foreman. So we did Manipure injections and IUI and knock on wood, we got pregnant on the first cycle. Oh, amazing. 
yeah, we got really, really lucky. I and guess that works for you. <laughs> and then we're there 25 months apart. Okay. Did you start wanting to try for Brody like sooner than you wanted a kid, another kid? Um, we, I wanted to start trying with Bro- for Brody. It was like March of 2020, but it was when like COVID started to happen and like mm-hmm. all fertility centers like shut down for a bit of time. So my appointment was canceled. And then we, when they reopened a couple months later, um, it was in May, which in the scheme of things is nothing. It was a two month wait. But at that moment, I'm like, this puts us behind, like da da da. But um, we actually got pregnant. Like Ezra was born four weeks early. He was a full month early. And his due date and Brody's due date were like a week apart. Like they were very, oh, got that's so funny. Time. Yeah. Were, were your births easy? I mean, that's a loaded question. Uh, no, they weren't. They were. I'm. I'm not scared. I'll do it again. But my birth with Ezra, I had a C-section. So, like I said, he came a full month early. He was preemie, and he, my water busted the day I turned 36 weeks. He was stuck in my right rib cage. Like I actually just think he ran out of room. So my water broke at 10 p.m. and he was born at 1 a.m. Like he was so fast. Like we drove to the hospital, got there at 11. They started preparing me for the C-section. I did the C-section. It was 10 minutes and then he was here. Um, the birth was the easy part for me. He had to go to the NICU because a couple, I think it was like 12 hours after he was born, like my parents had come, Jordan's parents had come. We were all like, you know, like loving on Ezra and then they all left we went to go to sleep and I had like the nurses or doctors like watch him so we can rest for a couple of hours. And then I woke up in the middle of the night to a doctor hovered over me telling me that my son is coughing up blood everywhere. Oh my God. To the NICU. I'm like, he's not even 24 hours old. What are you talking about? So he was in the NICU for a few days. Thankfully, everything was totally fine. He swallowed my blood in the C-section. It happens. But since he was born on a Saturday, it took a few days to get the blood work back. So we were going back and forth to the NICU for our entire stay. And I was trying to like breastfeed a child that had like plastic tubes like in his nose. And it was just like, it was very traumatizing as a first time mom or I mean, oh, I'm be, sure. even if it was your fifth kid, but it was definitely like a crazy entrance into this world and being in a NICU and watching the other babies in that center were just, so, it was heart wrenching. And looking back, like we were so blessed. Um, so with Ezra, we definitely it was very easy with Brody. I was a prime candidate for a VBAC. So to have a natural delivery and I went to the hot. So Ezra, like I said, was a month early. The, um, not my gynecologist, but like I had to go for extra monitoring since I had had Ezra so early when I got pregnant with Brody and they wanted me to do extra hormone injections into my butt, like progesterone injections for, I think it was like 30, 20 or 30 weeks of the pregnancy. And I politely just declined. I'm like, I don't feel the need to add extra hormones into my body to keep Brody in longer. I think that he'll stay longer. And my fertility doctor also agreed. He's like, with Ezra, it seemed to be kind of a fluke just based off of his position. With Brody, I had him at 40 weeks and one day. And I went to the hospital at noon and I told them that I was in labor. A resident told me I wasn't in labor and that I needed to go home. So I went home, got home, was in such severe pain that I couldn't move and was screaming into a pillow every few minutes and was like hunched over. And took a bath with Ezra. I was like just like trying to stay like, you know, distracted. But I was 40 weeks pregnant. Exactly. Like I knew I was in labor. And I looked at it. Then it got to be like 10, 10, 30 p.m. And I looked at Jordan and I was like, Jordan, I'm either dying or there's something wrong with this baby. Like I have to go back to the hospital. And we went back to the hospital and on our way there, his head almost fell out of my uterus. Stop. Literally almost fell out. And I looked at Jordan and I'm like, Jordan, his head is coming out. Like I'm going to give birth to Brody in this car. Like he's coming and we're at the light outside of the hospital. And I so vividly remember this because now we live so close to the hospital. 
Um, I couldn't even change my pants to get into the car after my water broke to like get to the hospital because I was in so much pain. Anyways, I show up to the hospital. There's blood all over my car. There's blood everywhere. And it was during COVID. And so, and I just like, well, I, we go into the hospital. I said to Jordan, like, just rush me up in, in the wheelchair. And I was, I was screaming to everyone, like, I don't have time to check in. Like, my baby's head is coming out. Like, my name is Rachel. Like, please help me. And they throw, like, throw me onto the bed because I'm, like, literally bleeding all over their hospital. And I started pushing. It turns out I was 10 plus 3 centimeters dilated. So, which basically, if you're 10 plus 4 centimeters dilated, that means, like, the baby's, like, like out They're of They're coming out. Yeah. And so... I was could have I could kill that resident who told me that I wasn't in labor and was gonna probably be another week long or so, and I I was too late for the epidural and I just begged my doctor I'm like I need an epidural I need an epidural like I can't do this there's no way so she let me have the epidural and he basically slid out so my labor with Brody was like the fastest thing ever in the hospital but it was a long day of of like pain. But I went from like zero to a thousand in a couple of hours. Well, you probably like, I mean, you were like going through labor at home and experiencing all your contractions at home when like you could have been at the hospital, like with your epidural, like not experiencing any pain. So are you like, I feel like that would make me almost like less scared because you like experienced the worst of the pain. I mean, yeah, you like pushed with an epidural, but having an not having an epidural through most of your contractions like you made it you did it yeah I'm definitely for the third I'm like whatever this baby needs I'll do um but a vaginal birth I thought I thought the recovery for me at least a vaginal delivery was a lot more intense than a c-section I had hemorrhoids like the labor is the most intense part I think but then you go home and you're like what the hell am I doing with a baby um but yeah child labor is an adrenaline rush Wow. When you've done it twice, how many kids do you want? Like, what's your dream? God willing, three. Three. I think three will be a, a good number for us. Okay. What are you guys? Um, I, like, forever I've said three, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'll have three and want four. Maybe I'll have two and be like, I can't do this again. Yeah. So only time will tell. We'll look back on this podcast one day and <laughs> <laughs> I'll laugh at probably what I said, but but yeah. 3 for now. I'll say that. Um okay, I want to get into I have some questions from the peeps on IG. And okay. also by the way, thanks for sharing your full like conception, fertility and um Oh my god, of course. birth stories. Women my- go th- women go through so much. Like we were saying before, like it's so important to openly talk about things. Like it just, this stuff can't be secrets. Like no. there's no keeping all this to myself. No, not at all. And I feel like even if like these stories help one person, five people, to, like for women out there to know that they're not alone in, in whatever they're going through, it's it's so important, especially being from someone who has such a public life, like you share so much and I share so much, people think that um, influencers, bloggers have a perfect life. And because most of the time they're just seeing the highlight reel and they're not seeing the true struggles behind closed doors. So thank you for sharing. But everyone had lots of questions for you. Um, So we can kind of do this in like a rapid fire way because I have 13 burning questions. Oh my God. I'm excited. It's the first, hot. yeah. The first being, what's your top motivation right now in your daily life? My kids. What oh. is your favorite healthy bread? Oh my god, I get this question all the time. I'm on a huge cocoa bakes kick. Like I love cocoa bakes. Ooh. I just had the fruit and walnut one, like two pieces of that with peanut butter before our podcast. It's so good. Where um, do you buy that? It's from LA. Honestly, I finally asked Coco, who makes it, to, like, give me a discount code to give people because, like, you can only get it on their website if you live here. And so I think it's for, like, 10% off. It's just Rachel. It's the best organic, gluten-free bread ever. Like, that just – it's so good. Oh, I have to try that. Have you always been health conscious? I feel like I answered this before. A little bit, yeah. Since I was, like – 
like 20. So about 11 years. Yeah. How do you deal with unhealthy food cravings? I don't really have unhealthy food cravings because I don't think that like any food craving is considered unhealthy. If like your body's craving something, that means it needs it. Um, Like when I'm craving chocolate or peanut butter, aka me every single day, but I just choose like the best source of that, if that makes sense. Like when I'm craving like, oh, when I was pregnant with, I think it was with Ezra, I really wanted like Fruit Loops or something. And like I went to the store and just picked a cereal that was like the closest thing to Fruit Loops and like it with somewhat good ingredients and like hit the spot but eating like one thing that's unhealthy once is not going to kill you no not at all and again like I agree with you I feel like for me like if I'm craving brownies like I just make like yummy vegan brownies that taste exactly the same as a regular brownie but it's just made with like better for you ingredients exactly like I like to live my life by like the 80 20 perspective in terms of like health oh for sure you got to have some balance Okay, advice for a college student who wants to eat healthy. I struggle with this because in college, like, I think it's so important to live and just, like, do what feels right for you. I think that if if you're in college and the options are really limited in your dining hall, like, go to Whole Foods or the Wegmans or a grocery store. There's a Wegmans on my college. Go to a grocery store and stock up on things that are, like, within your budget and within your means and keep them in your dorm room and make the best of it of what you can do with what you have at your disposal. I don't think that, I think college is meant for a time of like growth for you. And I'm sure that schools have like somewhat good options, especially now, but I always kept really good snacks in my dorm room. Are you allergic to gluten? Someone wants to know. No. But your husband is. He is celiac. Yeah. So he's like very allergic to gluten. And he just tested positive for that in September. It hasn't even been a year yet. So it's like really new for us. Um, I stopped eating gluten, I would say 99% of the time about a month or two ago because it was so much easier in our house if all of us do that. So we really don't keep anything with gluten in our home anymore. Do you notice a difference? Um, I think for me, like, not really. I started drinking this like juice concoction every day and I noticed a huge difference from that and I started that at the same time as gluten like the lack of gluten so it could be like a combination I don't know but my friend told me to start drinking this I'm sharing it soon it's like a pineapple tea with like beets and celery and cucumbers and pineapple and kale and I drink that every day and I feel so energized from it and I think that in conjunction with not eating gluten anymore definitely has like made my energy go up a lot because I was eating a lot of like bagels English muffins like I love toast and bread it's like my favorite snack or like anything throughout the day so when I started eating like better quality like gluten-free ones I was always always eating like organic breads but I do think that the wheat and gluten was like weighing me down do you do you drink coffee no I don't drink caffeine neither do I why don't you why don't you drink caffeine I hate the taste of coffee Mm, interesting Mm-hmm. Why don't, what about you? Okay. I love the taste of coffee, like coffee, ice cream, a latte, love it. But caffeine just makes me feel jittery and like my heart races and sweaty and nauseous. Like I just don't feel good. Well, yeah. I, I think, have it. and you're like, you seem pretty energized, like on your own. Like I'm a sociopath. Like I can't even imagine if I had caffeine. What? Yeah. Like I'm good. I wake up like pretty perky. Yeah. Same. Once I like go to the bathroom and brush my teeth, I'm like ready to go. Yeah, for sure. Getting out of uh, the bed is the hardest part. Wait till you have kids. You'll never have a problem. (laughs) I know. It'll be a nice, like, it'll be a nice natural alarm clock. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, that's a a positive way to put it. (laughs) It's an alarm clock. That's for sure. Yesterday at 5 a.m. I could have killed Ezra. (laughs) Do you have any de-bloating secrets? Hilma is amazing. They have a gas and bloat supplement. That's actually one of the brands that I'm an investor in. And I love their stuff so much. I like became an investor after like trying their product and loving it. Like I reached out to them about it. I think that they make an amazing stuff, amazing stuff for bloat. I also take the seed daily symbiotic every single day. 
Um, I take it at night. I'm supposed to take it in the morning, but whatever. I think that is good for bloat too. I agree with taking a probiotic before bed. Like I ignore all the directions. I think taking a probiotic right before you sleep, you wake up and you go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. It's the best it's tip. The best thing ever. Glad, glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, what is the most important thing you do every day? Go for a walk, like a daily walk every single day, rain or shine. The next question's funny. How do you get a boyfriend? <laughs> how do you get a boyfriend mm-hmm. um be yourself the good or the bad like just the authentic like the completely like authentic lovable you and be open-minded and just put yourself out there and things will align it sounds so cheesy but I mean my brother's 28 and he I mean he's seeing someone now but like he's been like a serial dater in the last few years and I see what he's doing and I think just putting yourself out there and you'll find someone. Agree. I feel like being yourself, like it sounds so cliche, but it's like the best thing you can do because I feel like I used to try to be so cool around boys and like not be like goofy or funny or like I would hold back and just like try to be like the girl who I like thought that they wanted and I would just try to like I don't know I'd like put on this like cool front and it just like never worked but like anytime I had a guy friend like I was always myself in front of a guy I just viewed in like a platonic way and then they'd always like have a crush on me but I never wanted them back but it like like looking back I'm like oh they liked me because I was myself yeah so I agree with you um how did you learn to develop recipes consistently Consistently, I think just once I started going into the kitchen and having so much fun creating them, I and seeing how many people really seemed to enjoy the food I was creating, it just motivated me and still motivates me every day. Especially now, I do a lot more emphasis on like cooking for your family. So seeing how many other parents or guardians or nannies or whomever like need ideas for their the fa- their families and their kids. It gives me so much motivation to just, like, go in the kitchen and experiment and whatever, like, we want to eat and feed our kids. It's, like, what we share. And I have to say, I love your morning glory muffins. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. I forgot about those. Yeah, I love those. I, I like, yeah, I feel like they're from a while ago, but, like, I love are. them. Thank you. It's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Um, quick, easy lunch ideas. Um, Maybe, like, three. Okay. Tuna salad. We love tuna and like you can do like chickpea tuna salad too for like a plant-based version. I have that, a recipe for that on my blog. Um, I love doing that on a piece of like thick sourdough with some arugula on top of it um, and like mashed avocado. That's one of my definite favorites. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I honestly love like cinnamon raisin toast with banana and peanut butter. That's why I really like the Cocoa Bakes fruit and nut bread because it reminds me of like the cinnamon raisin. And I'll put like banana, sorry, I put peanut butter and then some banana on top. Those are definitely like two of my favorites. And then I'm not a salad for lunch person, so I'm like not going to sit here and pretend that I am. But I love making a quesadilla and I don't mean like a cheese quesadilla. My version of a quesadilla is like an almond flour quesadilla, I mean tortilla of sorts and putting like hummus, spinach, like any type of protein you want, um, some mashed avocado. You can do like a dairy-free cheese. I love using this like dairy-free almond milk cheese. And I love making like quesadilla of sorts. It's so good. Oh, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing to cook of all time? To cook? My favorite thing would be something to bake for sure. And it's definitely my banana bread My banana bread cookie skillet is my favorite recipe Ooh. ever. F me never- up. Oh my, you would love it. It's so good and it's so easy to make. It's like on, you could eat it for breakfast. Like that's how healthy it is. And it just is like basically banana bread with like a golden rim around. Like it, it's just, Yum. it's so Sounds so good. And last question, are your kids picky eaters? No. In the scheme of things, no. Brody went through a phase where I thought I was going to have to like, like, I, I don't even know. I d- didn't know what I was going to do. I was crying every night trying to feed this kid dinner. And I think it was just teething. Like, I think once his, all of his teeth started to come in, he started to eat a lot better. Um, but I make, like, the quesadilla I just described to you. I make that for my kids a lot. They love scrambled eggs, tuna salad. 
They eat like oatmeal every day with like peanut butter and like blueberries. They love my yogurt bark. Um, they're, they're easy. That's great. They've never had a chicken finger or like a French fry and they will eventually, but they're just, I focus I'm like Brody's one. He doesn't need to like eat heavily processed foods and yeah. Ezra like getting to the age where like he's out and about and I can't control everything anymore. But, um, he definitely like loves cucumbers and hummus. Like I pack him his lunch for school and it's hummus, olives, cucumbers, and like crackers. Like he loves a meze platter. Oh my God. He's bougie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's bougie as F and he, his third birthday party was catered from with Israeli food. <laughs> That's a kid after my own heart. He's crazy. Oh my God. I love that. And I love talking to you. I feel like I could just like keep asking you so many questions. Um, but maybe that's just a sign we'll have to do part two. I would this. love that. It's, we've had a solid two hour, two and a half hours together. I know. Are, are you sick like, of me yet? Oh my God. No, never. Jordan's probably like, where are you? But it's just I know. perfect. So um, I'm happy to do this. So where can everyone find you? So I'm at Rachel Mansfield, no E and Rachel and Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and on my blog. And then my podcast is called Just the Good Stuff. And I guess I have to start tooting our VC fund. Our venture capital fund is called Great Shit Ventures with no vowels and great shit. Love it. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.